welcome to Happy Healthy Whole, a show dedicated to helping black women approach healing and life by selecting a holistic approach to their self-care and wellness. I am your host and creator of Self-Care for Black Girls Collective, Sharia Farmer. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey as we talk healing, coping, self-love, and so much more. overview kind of the conversation with trauma and so I have with me the beautiful Anna uh, Jones excuse me let me say whole names um, who is going to act as our interviewer and I am going to be interviewed on the subject of trauma and I hope that we also have a discussion as well as an interview because she is also very knowledgeable and I don't want to pretend like I'm the only one who's all-knowing but I also want to make sure that you get what you came for so So tell us a little bit about you. I'm going to interview you first. Yes. So I am a almost finished my clinical mental health counseling program at Walden University. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time coming, but I'm excited to finish. I'm excited to be in the field doing the work. Um, I think that the work that we do is the silent hero in our community, especially as Black women. So being able to fully immerse myself in that once I graduate is like my ultimate goal. So I'm super excited for that. Um, I would like to say that I come from a long history of strong Black women. So that's also something that I pride myself on and want to figure out how to foster that in my own Black daughter now. So that's my goal. That's what I'm hoping to accomplish over my time on this earth. Um, But yeah, just really looking forward to being a part of the community of Black clinicians and really rewriting what therapy looks like in our our communities. Awesome. Look at that. Told y'all y'all was going to get y'all some good um, info from us. Uh, You ain't just getting me. This is the real deal here. So I'm always glad to have such strong women around me. Um, But I'm going to start by giving a disclaimer for the topic of trauma, which is that trauma is is difficult to experience in its first place, but it's also difficult to hear and to listen to and to actually be a part of even in the audience format. And so I want to make sure that as we are talking or we are disclosing any information that is about our own personal or even experiences of our clients or different people that we know, that we honor that we have a right to take a break. We have a right to know when our bodies and our minds are overwhelmed by the information and just need to pause to breathe. And because this will be recorded, just like all of the um, events will be, this will give you the opportunity to also put it aside if you need to. And what I mean by that is you can always come back. The information is hopefully so golden that you can always return to it. But knowing and believing that the first thing to do in this situation as we talk about any forms of trauma is to honor your own experience and what your body is telling you you need. All right, I'm ready to jump in if you are. Yes, I am. All right. So I feel like with a topic like this, um, and so many people have so many different ideas of what trauma is, I think to get like the actual definition and what your idea of trauma is from an expert is something that we could all use for sure. So I always like to say trauma has its formal definition and then it has the the definition in which we live by, right? The formal definition is that a circumstance that is either external or internal has happened that causes your system a shock. 
right? That shock can be both physical, emotional, and it's causing you to feel threatened or harmed, right? And so that's really what trauma and the core definition is because it's the concept of the, the wound that someone might get when it's an external trauma. Um, the, the fire that you might be a part of or have been a part of in your past and being exposed to that, that's still an external problem. And or it can actually be something like a chronic illness where it actually impacts you both externally and internally, right? And so trauma really is just that. It's feeling that your life is going to be possibly harmed or threatened and injured. And so really when we think about it, and I want to say feeling because it doesn't always have to have happened to you. Right. So I think a lot of people are like, well, when I think of trauma, it goes straight to the ones where it's like something bad has happened directly to you. But the reality of trauma is that it can be both physically and emotionally harmful. And that emotionally harmful part is the one that most of us are kind of navigating in some way, shape or form. The physicals are ongoing and maybe different for each of us. But when it comes to emotional emotionally harming us and or threatening us there are things that as black women regardless of our individual experiences we are exposed to that harm us that is also traumatic how we deal with that trauma is different yeah 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 that's a whole yeah Uh, so I heard you touch on really quickly like different types of trauma and like different um, situations where, tra- where trauma presents itself. So can we talk a little bit more about like the specific types? So when we talk about like the types of trauma, are we saying the incidents of trauma? Or are we talking about like the trauma events that might lead you to be experiencing trauma? Because I know we wanted to talk about both. So I think let's talk about the events first, because I feel like that's the one that people can identify the easiest. Okay. So again, just like the informal but formal definition, I like to look at traumatic events in three areas, um, abuse, loss, and then chronic stressors. And the reason why I want to call them, or the reason why I call them those three things is because they also help us to see the different types when we're getting ready to talk about them. Because the reality is that the abuse, the loss, and chronic stressors actually help us to even indicate which and what type of trauma we we might be even experiencing at the time. So examples of abuse, I think sometimes can be the ones that we recognize easily because they're so blatantly, quote unquote, harmful to people, right? Um, And so that would be emotional abuse, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse. It would be domestic violence or intimate partnered violence where you are either participating in it and or a part of the violence. And it also could just be witnessing domestic violence or violence in your community. Um, The other ones that might fall under abuse specifically might be cyberbullying, institutional bullying, institutional racism, sexism, isms, right? (laughs) All of those things that come along with just how people can mistreat you because, and these are all, if we hear them, external, right? So these are things that are happening to us directly, mostly and or we're exposed to. The lost is the one where we will sometimes be grieving and or don't understand the layers of how grief impacts our trauma. And so we have things like death, abandonment, abandonment from our partner, our parent, 
our um, our jobs, right? Where we don't feel supported or even have a workplace that will actually support us when something's going wrong in our life or even in our workplace related to what we do in, a, in our living, <laughs> right? So then there's also separation from your marriage, your partner, any of those things. Natural disasters also can be considered um, losses because everything you think about when you say a fire or... Um, I'm trying to think of other major national, or even Katrina, right? I was trying to think of something more recent. However, we just had a recent anniversary, I think it's 20 years, right, of Katrina. And the impact of Katrina was a, a, an example of so much loss for so many individuals. But then also the exposure to that loss was something that even people who were not living in um, New Orleans or Mississippi or the Gulfport area were even able to understand was impacting them. And so those are examples of like the lost um, events. And then when we think of the last one, which is chronic stressors, those are the ones that are the, the dying impacts where it's almost like we can, all, we can explain them away and sometimes make it the personal responsibility of the person dealing with it and not that it's traumatic. So like poverty, right? Mm-hmm. So we can cause or have all these discussions about what you can do to get out of it, but we don't discuss the social um, elements that keep us in it, but also help to contribute to it being ongoing or generational. The same with racism, sexism. Um, so other examples that are not about uh, poverty or racism, that chronic stressors could be like family members who have a substance um, disorder, or even someone who is constantly abusive, but not physically to, I mean, uh, not physically or emotionally abusive, but you're exposed to that form of abuse in your community. So it could be like gang violence, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to always be that you are individually getting or dealing with the trauma, but just even being exposed to it. And so we have so many different types that fall under that, you know, chronic stressors. And I like to say all of the collective traumas usually fall under there. And so collective trauma is racism, poverty, poor medical systems, the health disparities, all of those things are chronic stressors that impact individuals and cause trauma, even when you may not recognize your individual trauma experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even just to go back to what you said about that group trauma piece of Katrina and all of these natural disasters that are happening, even COVID, like our entire world is being traumatized by this event. Um, that I think so many people aren't really recognizing. So if you're able to kind of talk about how that has not only just impacted our community, but everybody as a whole. So there's obviously like, when we think of anxiety, I think one of the things that COVID has done has it is, has impacted our um, anxiety in a way that kind of speaks to our well-being. Um, mm-hmm. We were traditionally used to being able to do a lot of things with quote unquote freedoms right? And I I use that word lightly because I also think people are abusing that term in order to justify their individual beliefs around the vaccine or not. So I'm not going to try to do that. Yeah, That's not my place. And then I really don't want to have that discussion because there's enough things that are more valuable to me right now. Um, And so when I think of COVID specifically, I think that anxiety around people putting us back into this box making us have to follow rules that are very restrictive around our health and our safety, and then not having a controlled idea around it. Like, so really, when you think about collective trauma, it's like you have no other, or group trauma, excuse me. Um, It's like you have no other choice but to be a part of it, even if you don't want to be, 
And so psychologically, it has us all sort of under pressure. If you notice, there has been an uptick in different type of conspiracy thinking. Um, there's always been proof that conspiracy thinking and all those type of theories that come out of like pandemics and or other unhealthy events in, in large amount or global sense creates conspiracy theories much easier. And so it's like, you see how anxiety is playing in our day-to-day, -day, but also impacting our larger beliefs around things. Um, one of the ways for Black people specifically is the health disparity. It's, it's, um, it's showing us not only is there factors around our individual health, but there's also uh, factors around the collective care of those people who are in certain communities that are marginalized by people. And I don't really like the word marginalized, so I want to say um, those people who are oppressed by a larger system in society don't have the same access and or educational access to the information. And we can easily say, well, that's not true. It's, um, it's, it's enough information everywhere. But we start looking at communities, entire communities, that don't have the same access to care than others, then you can't really argue it. And even looking at the percentage of people who have died or even gotten infected with COVID, it really does show the disparity with our health as well as the systems that uh, take care of us. But there's a lot of reasons why it's a collective trauma. And then I go back to the beginning. If you're anywhere on the East Coast, you're sort of the epicenter, right? What that means is that we got the the, the large load of deaths at the beginning because there was no treatment in place yet. And so they were trying to learn what to do to take care of people so that people can live. And literally on the East Coast, we were watching people die every day, like by number, right? And so when you think of that kind of collective trauma, what did it feel like, right? And I and just think for yourself, like how did it feel to watch that number go up to the point now where it's over a, mil a half a million people, right? Like that isn't a good feeling, but what that does is it's a psychological and emotional threat to our lives or the lives of someone we love, right? And so it's really been interesting to watch from a, a sociological standpoint because we're watching our country kind of show its colors in a sense, but on the other side, it also showed us that we have a lot more work to do with health disparities, uh, specifically around race. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do want to steer our conversation a little bit and talk about something that um, is a little near and dear to me. So as you know, my day job outside of my family at RS, um, I work with a lot of young people. So mm -hmm. older adolescents, some young adults, and they come in with a lot of trauma and they come in with their invisible backpacks that they're carrying around. And sometimes those loads seem a little too unbearable and mm -hmm. we have to help them unpack that and help them manage and just survive. Um, but one thing that I often notice is it's not just their stuff that they're coming in with. It's, it's not always there. <laughs> Um, but it's somebody in their life, it's their families, it's history and generations of things that they're working so hard to break through. Mm -hmm. And on some days it feels impossible, but they, I try to remind them as much as I can that like you're doing something that three or four generations after you will be able to feel. So can we talk mm -hmm. a little bit about generational trauma um, and how that really, really impacts our community specifically? So I think it's a double twofold, right? So I want to go back for a second because we talked about COVID and in our notes, we didn't mention 
that we were going through a double pandemic, just mm-hmm. as black people in general in this country. And so I don't want to do a disservice to what I do for a living, which is talk about and understand the dynamics of racial trauma. And so I want to make sure that we go back and mention that just because we're about to talk about cultural, historical, and group, and it kind of falls into that same area, which is that when you are literally a part of a community, a group, are you a Black therapist looking to reach over 38,000 Black women in one hit? Go over to selfcareforblackgirls.com and join our directory, get your business listed, and start reaching thousands of Black women today. Again, visit selfcareforblackgirls.com and list your business today. 